You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover magic, the gathering finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. And mm -hmm. this week, we're getting back to one of our old classic formulas, and that is the Wilds of Eldraine financial review. And we've got on theme with fairy tales one that is just right, one that is over or too soft, and one that is under or too firm. So we're Goldilocksing it up. Yep. With that, We'll start with what's just right. So for me, uh, when I was taking my notes at the beginning of September after the, the set dropped, I, I read through the entire thing, and the only card that really seemed to have any amount of hype around it that seemed uh, to be sitting at a decent price point for what people were talking about was Up the Beanstalk. And for those that haven't been paying to Magic the Beaninning recently, this is an enchantment that costs one in a green, and it says when it ETBs, or whenever you cast a spell with mana value five or greater, draw a card. So, really? yep, we were talking about this in the, the podcast Discord. The day it was spoiled, and I was like, oh, this is a really good uh, riff on uh, the Team Ascendancy style of cards, and we were talking about it like that for creatures because we all just kind of inserted that word into the card. And then later on, when I went to play Legacy, we were talking about it at dinner, and somebody mentioned drawing a card casting Force of Will, and I was like, wait a minute, I thought that said creatures, and they said, no, no, no. This is any card. And then I went back and I started reading through the hype. And I'm like, you know what? I think this is just Holy about right. Holy shit, it is. I, sorry, unironically. I thought it was a creature after reading it 12 times. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that, and then people were going nuts for it eventually in time. And I think no matter how ridiculous the hype around this gets, it's always going to be just right. Some people are doing silly things with it, like flickering it with Yorion and Legacy. And that's definitely something you can do overall. But I think the amount of hype we're seeing this for an uncommon in a set is just fine. Is this going to be something like Fatal Push, where it's just going to be kind of ubiquitous in most or all formats it's playable in? No, not at all. But it definitely has the opportunity to kind of shake things up in Standard and in Modern, where there is a card advantage kind of problem right now when the best deck is scam and just pulling the cards out of your hand. So if you need to re-up and get out of that hole, you need something like Beanstalk and triggering it off Solitude, off of, uh, well, not the One Ring, but in combination with the Concert with the One Ring and just digging yourself out of this hole and kind of pulling yourself up. So overall, I think this card is right where it needs to be. Price point-wise, I think the market's currently floating around like two and change, and that might be a little much for an uncommon like this. We did see Wild Slash get up to like $6 in that standard format because Ferocious was super easy to trigger and dealt with almost everything that wasn't Siege Rhino. Could Up the Beanstalk get there in time? Yes, but it'll be a while. It's got to take a standard rotation or for green to have a better foothold in standard. But overall, I think this card is just butter. It's where it needs to be. Yeah, I think this card, I think long-term this might be a little low, especially for foils. Uh, and that's literally just because of the casual EDH crowd yeah. that I could see flocking to this. Uh, plus, you know, the weird collector booster factor of non-rare and mythic foils have started seeing upward pressure in prices because yep. there's somehow fewer of them out there. Yep, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. I uh, to pull I the, stuck with. Oh, sorry. Oh, go before ahead. we move on, to, to peel the curtain back a little bit, when we were talking about this in the podcast Discord, I went out and I bought like the the two the two bricks that were on TCG Player foil and non foil because it's a it's there's no altar treatment on this uncommon, and the the math on the foils between both actually still kind of promotes healthy growth on it. So like I just bought them both because they cost the same at that point in time. They were forty nine cents. Foil, 49 cents, non-foil. So I just gobbled them up. That's really good. I, I kept kind of on theme. Uh, I'm two mana. Yes. And I have one green pip. Yes. And that is Agatha of the Vile Cauldron. Uh, I think this card is just right because, and I'm looking at this more of an EDH vein, surprisingly mm-hmm. for this episode than anything else. Uh, this is a card that, I think could see a lot of play both as a commander and in the 99 because yes. gruel is yep. really common for creature combos. Uh, Ulash to the Hate Seed was one of the big ones when the format first came out. For sure. Uh, and, you know, Wart exists, and there's all these different synergies that exist. But the nice thing about Agatha is she fits into literally all of them because green does one thing incredible, well, two things incredibly well ramp and make things fat. Red has a lot of activated abilities. Yes. A lot of yeah. which involve damage. Uh, not to mention, this also actually has an overrun effect tacked onto it, which in green, you have a lot of ways to manipulate your mana. I think it just does a really good job of fitting into not only combo shells, uh, but also into aggro shells. Mm-hmm. Because look, every time I activate this, uh, or every time I activate Kamal, Kamal gets cheaper. Every time I activate, well, I guess Azuri doesn't work because it only hits elves, but it just plays really well into the casual side of things. Now, I don't think this card is necessarily good enough to make waves in CEDH, Mm -hmm. but it could because it is incredibly efficient at two mana. Now, I'm not sure what extant CEDH cell that this necessarily slides into. I know there's a lot of people trying to get into some of the partner decks and see if they can make it work, Uh, but... I think it's great for casuals. I think $2 is exactly where this card sits for the base version. And that's just because, again, collector boosters, everything else. Now, that said, I'm not sure how much of this product is going to be opened. Because at least at the LGS level, we are feeling wallet fatigue very bad right now. uh, Which we can touch on in a future episode. But that's one thing that I think may see this float up a little bit. But I'd say the two to three dollar range is just right for this card, basically forever. Yeah, uh, I like this card. I'm going to touch on it a little bit when we get to picks as well. Um, I have a little bit to say about it, but everything you touched on is essentially uh, why it's going to be there in my picks. Mm-hmm. And so from here, we're going to move on to where you want to go. Underhyped? Uh, let's go over. Okay, overhyped. So for me, uh, this card was pretty clear when I found out it was 30 and someone said it was trending up to 60. Uh, although it is not, it's kind of floated back down to 30, and that is Beseech the Mirror. Uh, this is colorless and triple back black for, I wanted to say a tutor, but it, it's not quite. It's a pretty interesting card. Sorcery with Bargain. Search your library for a card, exile it face down, then shuffle. If this spell was bargained, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. If that spell's mana value is four or less, put the exiled card into your hand if it wasn't cast this way. Now, this card just kind of pops off. There's infinity hype around it because you look at uh, Gaia's Well in modern, basically Yawgmoth's Well of Suspend, so you can get Gaia's Well. It has no mana value in the top right-hand corner, so you can just cast it. 
and that's great. There are a ton more cards that can be cast off of this as well. Uh, do they combo? Yes. Do they not? Yes. This, this thing just does a ton. But to me, when I read this, this seemed like a different or um, slightly better Dark Petition, which is three double black Demonic Tutor. And if you have Spell Mastery, then it uh, you get three black mana back. So it basically just costs you two colors to cast Dark Petition. That's kind of how I see this, because you'll generally cast the spell off of Dark Petition, off the mana you get. So these kind of parallel in my mind. I think that this is a really good card. It's going to be great in, like, Legacy and Vintage, possibly Commander, because it's yet another tutor. But to me, all the hype around this for Standard and Modern just seemed like the same kind of hype we got around Goblin Dark Dwellers, which was like, People thought that heralded some kind of new age with the same suspend spells that we had at the time. Now we just have Guy as well on top of uh, the the recall and the balance, whatever, and the wheel, right? Yeah. Uh, whatever those were, and it just it was so much smoke and no fire. And to me, this is kind of that immediate parallel. I don't think this is a thirty dollar card. I think this is a fine like ten to fifteen dollar mythic. But this is. Not supposed to be the signpost card for the set, but by hype and by price, it is. And I think that is wildly incorrect. There's so much more going on in the set that just seems better overall for the game, more impactful for the game, more interesting for the game than Beseech the Mirror. Again, fantastic card, just overhyped and overpriced. Yeah. I, this is one that, I, to me, the only way this makes it through, like the... the is real is in legacy as a tutor for tests do i really need more tutors and tests and is that going to be enough to justify a 40 dollar price tag to me it's not so i i completely agree yeah. with that i yeah it's 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 more stark petition in that deck for me the one that i think is overhyped uh and this is kind of leaning on the legacy leg that I just touched on, is Blossoming Tortoise. So Blossoming Tortoise, green, green, two, for a 3-3, three, three, which is fine, a little below rate, but whatever. Uh, when it enters the battlefield or attacks, mill three and return a land card from your graveyard tapped. Uh, activated abilities of lands you control cost one less to activate. Land creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Now, obviously, this goes into lands. Uh, I Obviously, it has impact in EDH. Mm -hmm. I don't think it really sees a place in any 60-card formats long-term. Because to me, uh, I'd rather have Reclaimer in mm -hmm. lands. I'd rather have Knight of the Reliquary in lands. Yep. I don't know what this does for the deck that isn't already there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I'm milling three cards at four mana. At four mana, I better be using thespian stage uh, because the deck is so consistent at this point that this would dilute the consistency almost mm -hmm. now could i see this in some of the azusa decks out there in the edh yeah sure if you're on like 40 60 80 land azusa whatever absolutely i could see this thing play there i just don't think there's enough exposure for that yeah for it to maintain a high price point and i also 
really think that before too long we're going to start seeing again where mythics and rares, because of how open sets are going to be, starts pushing things down. Now, obviously, that runs contrary to my point earlier, but I just don't see many mythics being 6 to $20 anymore unless they see a ton of play. And this card effect, to me, is just way too niche to justify a $7 price tag that it has now. It's, it's just n completely incorrect for what the card does. Yeah, like, I don't quite get it. I understand that the activated abilities line is really unique because this is one, if not of the... No, I don't want to say one of because I think it is the only time where it allows yeah. you to reduce the cost of an activated ability to zero. Yeah. And so that that shouldn't get lost in the conversation. I don't think that carries this price tag at all. It should carry this price tag at all. Um, I know there's a Saffron Olive video floating around where I think he just did infinite damage with this thing. I don't know, on Arena, so I don't know what format it is, if it's a regular one or some mutant one. No yeah. idea. But at the same time, to your point, I don't know where this is going to go in the land stack in any constructive yep. format. Sure, it can reclaim a land from the graveyard that was put there at any other point in time, which is great. But to what you were saying, you have loam to do that in Legacy. You know, in, in Modern, if your lands are in the graveyard, there's, like, you also have Loam. That was yeah. a deck at one point. But if you're the primetime deck, you have more to go get. It's probably not the worst thing. I don't think you need the Tortoise. The only reason I can see this holding a price tag is because immediately you can combo with a Mythic from, is it Dominaria United? What, wherever Draconic Destiny came from. Yeah. Colorless Double Red Enchantment. So you just put it in a land creature. And then it says enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has flying haste and an activated ability of one colorless. This creature gets plus one plus zero until end of turn. It's a dragon in addition to its other types. So you just put on the land. The land is given the ability and now you can activate it infinite times. That's the only way I really see this card going infinite. I'm sure there are other ways to do this too. But yeah, for $6, I just don't get it. It's not even a legend. Like you can't even play the turtle deck yet. I don't get that. You have Archelagos or whatever its name is, the the Dirtle yeah. Turtle, the Sultai one. It's like if it's untapped, Ugh. all your opponent's stuff comes into play tapped. Awful. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's it's a no no. It's a fantastic group slug commander when you're the one. It is. Yeah. Playing the deck, right? Yeah. Like I can get behind that, but give I give us better turtle support. That's all I'm asking. That, actually, this is kind of like where people were when they saw this. They're like, I would yeah. love to play turtles, but we don't have enough good ones to make it worthwhile. And like, this is a step in the right direction, sure. I just don't know what the direction kind of is with this card. It just kind of is in this really awkward space, and like any hype around it and constructed just seems to be overhype. So if I'm running the turtle deck, I have to run Sheldock Isle, right? I believe you have to. You okay. have to be, yeah. <laughs> and you got to play Giant Tortoise. Yeah, obviously. It's a giant. It's uh, giant. That's the flagship. That was the first one. Exactly. He's so adorable. Exactly. All right, moving on to Underhyped. For me, this card, I really didn't think it was going to be this one, but so far it's kind of turned out to be. Uh, I After Moonshaker Cavalry was spoiled... I didn't re really hear anything else about this card, and I think that is kind of a shame. It's this card five, looks great. It's five, triple white for a 6-6 six, six with flying. When Moonshaker Cavalry enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain flying and get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. It is, effectively, the white crater of Behemoth. And what are you doing with white and green in Commander besides going white? Not much. Yep. You can play a controlling game, and at that point, Wingshaker Cavalry isn't for you. 
neither yeah. is Crater Huff. Otherwise, these two are they're they're great buds. Now the primary difference here is that Moonshaker Cavalry gives flying, not trample, and it itself has flying, not haste, which Crater Huff Behemoth has. And those are all very real things, but I really find it hard to believe that Moonshaker Cavalry is worse because of that than Crater Huff. You're car- you're trying to take out the table when you cast one of these two. Yeah. And generally speaking, the Crater Huff math doesn't necessarily always involve the Crater Huff. It's everything out on the board because you've got to have that decent that decent force. It's your Avenger tokens. Exactly. What plans did you make? Cool. Exactly. Kill How many elves are on board? How many soldier tokens are on board? Citizens, what have you, right? Cast- Surf tokens, Ace yeah. and Calvary. <laughs> I was going to say walls, but Wall of Kelp makes defenders. So yeah. you, you could play them in Arcades, the strategist, make wall, infinite walls with Wall of Kelp, play Rolling Stones, and then Moonshaker Cavalry, and then Crater of Behemoth, and then your walls do a lot of damage. Your walls of Kelp do a lot of damage. And the Psych Rift beforehand. Yeah. We're just we're just going all in. Yeah. But like this just plays into what you want to be doing and as you know like a, a white deck, even if you're playing an equipment deck, if the game goes long, you can still just punch through people or punch through yeah the board with this because everything flies it just takes off and goes straight to the face i really find it hard to believe that moonshaker cavalry not having haste compared to crater of behemoth makes it that much worse when chances are the amount of damage that's going to be absorbed from all those creatures is going to be less than the amount of damage than crater of behemoth would do so your creatures are going to do more than the apple crater of would i don't get it this card just kind of hit and it disappeared that said, the price tag compared to Crater Huff right now is pretty decent. Crater Huff is like in the 20-22 range, depending on the printing, not uh, setting the secret layers um, version aside. But the overall hype for the card, the willingness to want to play this card, talking about this card in Commander, seems to have just kind of fallen off almost immediately. The rest of the set kind of took over. And that's fine. This Again, like I talked about uh beseech this this isn't the flag postcard for the set the signpost card for the set people don't have to be talking about this over everything else but when you're talking about cards in commander it seems like for whatever reason this is just falling away and i think that is a shame i the thing that i really like about this card is it plays obviously into all your like white green selesnia x whatever uh i think this is significantly more relevant because of Boros, because of how many decks in EDH allow extra combat steps, because it's not something that's ever relevant in the Crater Hoof deck. Mm-hmm. You just kill them. But not having haste, flying is probably just as good in most games. And if it's not, you have a ton of ways in Boros to make extra combat yeah. steps, having the number of tokens you need. When I mentioned equipment decks, that I wasn't alluding to extra yeah. combat. I was alluding to Boros decks, like Boros equipment decks. Yeah, and having like Aurelia, Aggravated Assault, all of, you know, Combat, combat Celebrant, yep. all these ways to get extra combat steps, I think is Savage another leading. avenue, yeah, that really makes Moonshaker Cavalry good. This mm-hmm. is, you know, despite what I said about Mythics not being worth, this is something that there's a parallel to, clearly. Uh, there's a very, very high expectation for casual demand. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is what drives this more than everything, because everybody loves make dude big turn sideways. Yes. Make dudes big turn sideways. Doesn't matter. Whatever it is, people love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And this suiting right into it in another color, 
because it's crater hoof plus this you run alongside one another and token based lists i think it's great yeah me too. uh my under and this is eh, like i i'm gonna be honest i have so little faith in wizards of the coast's ability to produce a product that will consistently return value because of collector boosters, set boosters, draft boosters. I don't know that I will ever be able to say in another set that something is undervalued for what I think it it's at. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, I would not be surprised if there's a world where every mythic in a set is sub $20, sub $10 even. I we've had it recently. Yeah. And you know, it's it's getting frustrating. So like if if I had to pick something, I'm going to pick Slumbering Keep Guard. What does that card do? Well, it's one mana for a 1-1 human knight. But whenever an enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. Three mana, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each enchantment you control. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying the non-foils are underpriced. I'm going to say the foils. Again, reason being, common foils are really hard to find because people are opening collector boosters. Shops are opening set boosters to get stuff. And guess what? That's about it. That's yeah. all that's going to be there. But this is a card that slides into a slot in Enchantress decks that doesn't really have an alternative. We have a ton of card draw in Enchantress. We know that. What we don't have is a lot of card selection, and this gives you that. If I've got five Enchantress effects out, I can at least filter the top card, or I can draw the first one and then try to filter the other one. This lets me filter through that. Not only that... Similar to what is the cons of Tarkir card when it gets an enchantment, add a counter, becomes an XX equal to counters. Oh, I don't remember. For Form of the Master or something like that. But this oh, Master gives you, of the Unseen? Yeah, Master of the Unseen. This gives you a finisher in an enchantress list yep. that isn't your commander. That is a way to just like, well, I'm going to do big dumb things and just make dude big turn sideways. Yeah. Uh, I think that this also highlights something that people need to keep an eye out for is that a lot of times I feel like in standard sets, the sleepers are usually not the rares or mythics because those, due to the pack math, are just way more relevant than they've ever been before. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot more opportunities then to come in at the lower end of things, at the commons and uncommons. Find your value there, and similar to your pick up the beanstalk, these things can take off, and if nothing else, they've got a safe and consistent four. Yeah. No. Uh, so I like this this pick a lot, but for a different reason. So I talked about Moonshaker Cavalry, and I had more cards on my underhype list than anything else because it seemed like there was just a number of cards that weren't getting a lot of heat. One of them is uh, Ariette of the Charmed Apple. That is the Orzov Aura General. Uh, one a white and a black for a 2-4. Each creature that's enchanted by an aura you control can attack you or planeswalkers you control. So it just kind of creates a lot of... um, There's a vow cycle from the original commander set. Anything enchanted by a vow you control can attack you or a planeswalker you control. Then at the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life where X is the number of auras you control. So this isn't necessarily an enchantress kind of deck because you're not playing out a bunch of just generic enchantments you want to play out a lot of auras and it is the end step trigger that gives you a reach past your opponents but slumbering keep guard plays into this it's in the list when you look at 
the at the Ariat lists. And as of I think maybe the beginning of this week, Ariat is now the number one commander submitted to EDH rec from Wilds. Right. So this all just kind of plays together in concert. Everything you said is immediately actionable, is immediately seen on EDH rec when you look at at the slumbering keep guard. It's making moves in a positive direction because the cards surrounding it in the set are allowing it to. There's the structure for it. Yeah. And I, I think that's another thing that indicates a trend more and more is similar to when stuff's been banned or unbanned. And you and I have had picks. And it's been, all right, well, Stoneforge got unbanned. Uh, what do we want to go that's made better because Stoneforge yep. is there? Just using that as a general strategy for new sets is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So... And it's nice that these these play in concert and they kind of go hand in hand. Like you came at you came at the problem from one direction and I came at it from another, both as with underhyped cards. It did turn yeah. out that after I took my notes, just based on the numbers submitted to Rec, this is now uh, Ariad is now the most, if you want to consider it, most hyped general in the set. But here we are. At the time, nobody was really talking about it. It wasn't getting a lot of heat. So that's fair. Cool. I've got nothing else to talk about from this set, and I'm ready to move on with my pick. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to go first because I feel like it. Sure. Uh, my pick is Atali, Primal Conqueror. This is the new Atali from March of the Machine. Uh, it is a Sox is working this week. Uh, five and double red for a 7-7 seven, seven Trampler. When Atali, Primal Conqueror, enters the battlefield, each player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. You may cast any number of spells from among the non-land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. Then it has an activated ability. Nine and one Phyrexian green. Transform Atali. Activate only as a sorcery. And the backside is an 11-11 Trample Indestructible. It's basically another Blightsteel Colossus. Whenever Atali Primal Sickness deals combat damage to a player, they get that many poison counters. So this is a card that effectively has poison, not infect. Yeah. Or infect, not toxic. uh, No, infect deals negative damage. Negative one. So yeah, it's just poisonous. Yeah. 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 So I added this to my list at the end of June. CK was buying 144 at a dollar. There are 359 LP or Nearmint for a market of $5.97. When I was taking my notes, there were, uh, sorry, CK was buying 83 at $3.70. The set foils were 14, they were buying 14 at $5. They are currently buying 66 at $3.50. Both of those numbers have been trending down as people have been submitting. And the set foil, they are now buying 17 at $5. So people are actually picking up this card on tcg player there are 290 listings left with a market price about five dollars and 89 cents so overall uh we've seen an increase in bias numbers uh and kind of a stagnation on the market price but if you were to take a look at the stocks graph again you'll see that we sat in a trough for a fairly long time and now it looks like we're heading back into a dip that's the important part we want to buy into this dip as far as commander is concerned and now we'll talk about the card you know, this is actually much more attractive in the 99 than as a commander, and it's mainly used in decks that want to go really big. When we step back, we look at the format as a whole. This is a really chonky creature with an even chonkier backside, and this slots into any base rule deck that wants to land Haymaker after Haymaker in the mid to late game to start inviting people to exit from the table. Now, 
as a 7-7. This has a wicked EP ETB, which we just covered, and it can take over a game from a clogged board, anywhere from a clogged board to an empty board, uh, something like a post-draft board, and it makes it an incredibly relevant threat. So why not even cast a Wrath Found off the ETB if it's needed? Because Atali is just incredibly good on its own with that, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like the thievery trigger. You know, Atali I both... that's a good word for it, yeah. Atali both solves and creates a lot of problems that can keep games moving forward to a natural conclusion. Now, when you do find the time to flip Atali, you now have basically a one-shot threat that, again, continues to push the game forwards towards conclusion. Now, this is a rather heavy cost, at nine and a Phyrexian green, but if Atali is landing on an empty board, the cards you f and the cards you flip aren't incredibly impactful, or you're playing a commander like the new Agatha of the Vile Cauldron, it becomes much more palatable of a cost when you can then start ending players. So Atali Primal Conqueror is a card we're seeing played all over Commander as a game-ending threat in casual stompy decks, all the way up to some more aggressive style of decks like Xenagos, God of Revels, and Karlak, Fury of Avernus. And that's definitely something we really like to see. Now, initially, Standard did push the price of this card prior to the bannings of Fable of the Mirror Breaker and Invoke Despair, as well as Reckoner Bankbuster, as, and then the format was kind of reshaped. The ramp deck is still slightly played but at the moment, but there's no real constructed format driver at the moment. Uh, there's just no standard events to play, and everything is kind of modern heading into yeah. Pioneer. So could there be... <clears throat> a driver in the future absolutely it's just not there at the moment but i did want to call out that we have a price history on this because of standard and so we could again we just needed the format to shift reshape new sets now oh you got something or can i move oh on no that was clearing my throat sorry okay. uh timeline as of uh september 11th card kingdom had zero in stock and their buy price had been rising over time to accommodate this uh, the They've just had a really hard time keeping more than like five or six in stock. On TCG Player, the average sale quantity per day has been ramping up slowly, uh, somewhere around 10 a day, and then moving up slow, uh, a little bit faster and faster over time. And then there was a large burst of sales on September 9th, and that brought it to over 20 a day. And that trend's basically continued onward. But this candle might burn out once the Agatha, the Vile Cauldron hype does die down because that's kind of like the new hotness. You can play your Atali and flip it very quickly, very easily with Agatha. So remember I said we were looking at the market dip. That's where we want to be. This is what we want to buy into. And it's kind of odd to think about as the sales velocity is picking up, but we want to get in now before Lost Caverns of Ixalan brings us more dinosaurs and puts further pressure on this card. So I think we have two months to move in on this pretty slowly we don't have to just pull a huge quantity from the marketplace as lost caverns releases in november but between now and then we have both the doctor who commander set and the lord of the rings tales of middle earth holiday set yeah the spoilers and releases for all of that will draw eyes away from this card and some of the other dinosaur based specs you can make so I believe our out really starts when we get to Ixalan spoilers, but it might take a minute to see what dinosaurs we get there as well. You and I kind of speculated that Lost Caverns insinuates that we're going to be underneath the plane, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case this time. So if we do get more yep. Naya dinosaur support, then Atali just slides right into that deck as is. 
reprint equity on this. I wouldn't expect it to come back in any of the Ixalan products, but <clears throat> that would be the next place I could see this. But mainly the Commander deck, not the standard set. This does seem like a hard sell for a supplemental draft set because at rare, it seems like it would warp the format and it's a bit of a lousy mythic if you wanted to upshift it to make sure it just didn't take over. So I really don't think we're going to be getting it at all, but Ixalan Commander would be the most likely place. Yeah, I I love this card. I think it's great. I think it's... I mean, it's not quite reprint-proof, right? Because we obviously came back to Phyrexian mana again. But yep. I think... Well, I would say it'll be a while till Phyrexians are the big bad again, but who knows? Uh, I guess it did take us, what, 10 years to get back here? So, yep. maybe. Uh, the I... Okay. I love the color combination yeah. with the thievery effect that it's pseudo tribal and two colors that care about tribes mm -hmm. and that it's just a big fat finisher. And I remember when this first got spoiled, a bunch of people, you know, EDH players were like, oh, 10 mana is way too much. I'm like, well, first off, it's nine mana. Well, nine mana is way too much. You're in green. That's like turn four. Yeah, it's nothing. You're fine. Like, the casting cost to me is more prohibitive than the ability activation because I have to have two red. But even then, you've got infinite ways to produce red mana with creatures if you need to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and again, the card has a price history. It has appeal to competitive players, as we saw in standard. Mm -hmm. And it has appeal to casual EDH players as well. I, I think this is one of the, of any card from a recent set, I'm probably more bullish on Atali than anything else. Uh, this card's incredible. Yeah, and the only thing I want to say on the way out of this pick is that I did pick up uh, when it was the I think Pro Tour weekend. I've got eight of the showcase version that I bought, and that's the basically coin. Yeah. yeah the coin, the the power coin, and that's yep. basically where I want to sit with this. I didn't buy them to move to buy list. I bought them to trade out, and you know, shortly thereafter that Pro Tour. We got the banning of those aforementioned cards. And so, you know, the people who had a tolly had a tolly. We just needed to wait for, yeah, you know, people to come back round to it. And now we're kind of seeing it with Agatha. And then, like I mentioned, we're going to buy into this dip that we're going to come into as we get spoilers for the next couple sets. Then we when we come back round to Ixalan and people are like, oh, cool, more dinosaur support. I don't have to spend like $15 on every single dinosaur that's decent. Let me get an Atali. Yeah. And like, cool, we'll just out it there because Velo is still really high on this card. Yeah. I am going the opposite direction, by which I don't mean I'm picking a card in opposition to that. I am calling out a massive trap, in my opinion, that is thematic for what today's episode was about, and that is Agatha's Soul Cauldron. Uh, this card is so hyped right now. Everyone mm -hmm. thinks it's going to be absolutely insane. It's the best thing that's happened to... Uh, food decks in ages. It's going to be so good. No, it's it's not. I, it is not a $40, $50 card in a set with collector boosters. Uh, two mana. Great. You may spend manas or mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control, keeping with Agatha. Creatures you control with plus one, plus one counters on them have all activated abilities of all creature cards exiled with this card. Tap exile target card from a graveyard. Put a plus one plus one creature on or plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Yep. Okay. I don't see how this is remotely better than something like Experiment Kraj, which 
it may not be exactly the same, but it is a creature centric combo deck. And guess what? He sits in the command zone. Mm-hmm. You can just cast him over and over. Yep. And it's creatures in play. It doesn't have to be exiled with the effect of something else. Nope. I modern is obviously in a great spot. Uh, it's very well, not really. Sorry, it's in a great spot for ridiculously powerful things to thrive and fair magic to be dog water. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. I don't see this outpacing the ring or orcish bowmasters. I I just don't. I am sorry. This card is not $35. It's not even remotely close. It's maybe 20 at best. I just, I cannot caution enough because there's been a lot of discords, a lot of Reddit posts where people have just hyped this up as this incredible thing. And frankly, it's just not. It requires way too much setup and way too much build around where it's not birthing pot, where it's your engine and your wind condition in one. Mm-hmm. Because birthing pot was your wind condition. You just tutored it up. It, it's just not that good. I just don't see it taking a spot in a 60-card format. It It's obviously going into creature-based combo decks in EDH. I just don't see it having a place in modern or pioneer or maybe standard. But yeah. I don't see it functioning in either of those places. I just don't. Maybe no. I'm wrong. Um, a lot of the places that I see it pop up are places where you can also play Arcbound Ravager and Walking Ballista. Yeah. Because you can exile one or the other with Agatha Soul Cauldron, and now everything is that, right? So you don't need to activate it multiple times like you would need to in Commander to really get there. Or with the... In the case of Experiment Cross, just spread plus one, plus one counters. Or in the case of Necrotic Ooze, just load your graveyard with activated abilities. Right? These are all cards that are like similar enough that you can draw a very thin parallel. Agatha's, yeah. like you said, requires the most setup. So if you're going to try and win with it, you have to win cleanly and you have to win quickly. And I think the best thing to, be, to do that is actually going to be the Hardened Scales deck in Modern. But what do you exile with this, with like the one or two opportunities you have to untap or exactly. to... Yeah, to tap it. Is it Ravager to just eat everything and put it on a walking ballista that you have in, in play? Or is it walking ballista so you can sack everything in a Ravager? You know, like, there's definitely a way to go. Is the deck good enough to compete currently? Don't know that either. But it really is, at the moment, the most opportune place for this. It's just like, uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Sir Ginger or Seer Ginger, um, the new Ginger Brute. Yeah. That thing is great. It looks like it ha- it could have an actual home in, in a true affinity based list. You want to call it eight cast and or seven cast in modern because you're going to be play- playing Mirror Enforcer and the four Salamanders. Like sure, yeah. you can do that. You can also play Frogmites and some other odds and ends because you can just pump out a ton of artifacts, use your nettle cysts, your other hats, and just kind of break through, and it works out. You know, that's a that's a card that doesn't seem at like overhyped it seems properly hyped because there's a new deck that's got to form around it you can't just dust off old affinity and call it a day but yep. it has immediate application when somebody goes okay turn to ren and six plus it go or to fairy three plus it go and you say okay sir ginger kill your planeswalker go that's immediately impactful it changes the way the game's the, the way the game's going to be played out agatha soul cauldron takes turns it takes a ton of setup exactly. to get going. It doesn't necessarily cr- take a new deck like Sir Ginger, but it definitely takes, it might even just be a reconfiguring of the modern format to be decent. 
at this price point, it does absolutely seem like a trap, much like Beseech. I don't think yeah. either of these cards are worth the price tag right now. I mean, if you need it for Legacy, go for it. But at the same time, you could just buy a lot of beans. $40 buys a lot of beans. And there's so much you can there's do so with much all better. those beans. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Love and I, at the end of the day, this is a, a card I'd be happy to open in a pack or pick up in prices, but I'm not going to trade for it, and I'm not going to buy it for, one, until it's proven, and two, at least a couple of weeks past that when more of yeah. these are opened in, in circulation, which is something we talked about last week. Like, There's a lot of this set that you can, just, you can and should just wait on as yeah. people crack this and then move on to the next thing. And when the next thing comes out, then you can start moving in on all, the, on all this overhype stuff. Like, yeah, that'll be the time one day soon. Yeah. Anything else before we head out? No, I'm good. All right. So for at MTG being cast, I am halt. I am reptar on Twitter. You are at Damon underscore Thurston. Yep. We'll see you next week. Deuces.